Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Annabelle. She's often overwhelmed and feels like it's hard to sit still, so much so that at times it can feel like she is crawling out of her skin. She suffers from debilitating panic attacks and often feels weird sensations in her body. Her mood is up and down, and many times she feels off out of the blue for no apparent reason. And additionally, she was just diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. She has seen many GPs, psychiatrists, therapists, and now a rheumatologist. But unfortunately, aside from anti-anxiety and antidepressant medications that didn't work for her, no other solutions were offered. She felt like no one was listening to her, and many of her doctors just thought that she was quote-unquote crazy. But she knew this was not the case, and it wasn't in her head. And she really hoped that there was some kind of an underlying issue that this can be solved. She reached out to me after listening to one of my shows in hopes that I can solve her health mystery. After speaking to her for over two hours in our initial consultation, I had a hunch that Annabelle's issues were not just internal, but are affected by outside things and outside people. And I knew just where to start digging to get to the bottom of this. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about all of the health issues that Annabelle was dealing with. And she is certainly not alone in her struggles, as this affects millions of people. To talk much more about this, I am so excited to be bringing back Stephanie Roman, who is a divine channel that helps empaths stabilize their own energy, and she guides empaths from overwhelmed to empowered. I interviewed Stephanie two years back in episode 21, where we discussed the case of body tingling and internal vibrations. It was something I saw with a few patients, but interestingly, after the episode aired, I got so many emails and DMs from a lot of people dealing with similar issues, and they were so happy to find that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, and there's something that they could do to support it. And to this day, it's actually in my top five of the most downloaded episodes. So Stephanie, I am so excited to have you back. I'm excited to be here. So being an empath is not a new thing, but until recently, I don't think there's been enough awareness about this. And 
why so many people are struggling without understanding what is going on with them. But I think there's so much more about the topic that is there, you know, that what's available really through mainstream media. And I'm just so happy that we're talking about this. So just so everyone's on the same page, can you first tell us what does it mean to be an empath? Sure. So being an empath is actually translating um, vibrations in your body, whether that's emotionally or physically. And most of the time it is a little bit of both. It's more of a spectrum. So um, I have yet to see anyone that is just an emotional empath or just a physical empath. However, there's a sliding scale, but it's basically picking up on energy and frequencies, whether that be emotion or physical vibrations translating into your body that you're just more aware of those on on a day-to-day basis. And they definitely can affect you, even though the majority of empaths have always been that way. So it's not necessarily going to be seen. Some of the things that I see, people just think that's normal for everyone to feel that way. And in a lot of cases, they're very, very sensitive, more so than the regular person. So how common is it to be an empath? Uh, Very, I mean, I would say very common. Again, I don't know statistics, but I am seeing that since I've really stepped into being a leader in this subject that I have just seen so many people, like you said, I've had a lot of people even from this podcast and then, you know, outside in my, in my work that I do as a channeler, I've seen just so many people. And especially with the pandemic, I think a lot of us really had the distractions of the external world that we were able to busy um, ourselves with really decreased. And a lot of people I found in that time, just worldwide, started to realize that they were experiencing different qualities in their body that they had really been able to numb up or repress to up until that certain point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because you're right. When there's so much going on around us, sometimes we're just not in tune enough to realize what's happening. And it's a lot easier to to run and to repress and to not even know that you're doing it. So it's not even like you're consciously doing it. But yeah, when you're really busy and you're just running from place to place, it's it's easier to ignore your own feelings and what's happening internally. Now, some people who are listening to this already know, yes, I'm an empath. This is me. But there are others who might be wondering, well, maybe I'm not sure. So how can someone tell? Can we go through some signs that are typically associated with being an empath? So one of the things that, and and again, some of these might apply to you, others might not. There's not like one, unfortunately, like not one set quiz that identifies everyone 100%. So you have to take with a grain of salt and kind of feel into your body and see if, if some of these really resonate with you and others do not. It can still mean that you are an empath. So one of the, or a couple of the key qualities, I guess. One is that And again, this is a sliding scale. A lot of people think that empaths are all introverted, which is not true. I am a very extroverted empath, but regardless on whether if you're introverted or extroverted, empaths need time, downtime, alone time to decompress. And the reason that they need that time is because, again, when you are getting so many, and these are, this is scientifically proven, thank goodness now, in quantum physics, that um, you're receiving so many electronic frequencies and so overstimulated, we definitely need time to decompress, to be alone. And whether that's an hour or a couple of days, again, that depends on how you're intaking energy. And then again, if you are introverted or extroverted, but really needing some time alone is a great key and clue that you are 
a empath of, or an empath of some sort. Another one is really filling, filling up with nature. So across the board, kind of, again, an empath really connects with nature and needs some sort of nature in their life. Personally, for me, I found that to really be on top to stabilize my energy, I have got to run every single morning in nature. I can't do it in a gym. It does not do the same thing for me. Um, but it, it really just that some in some quality, when you go out in nature, you feel that there's a connection or you feel a little bit lighter or a little bit more centered, I guess, a little bit less anxious. Mm, that's interesting. So you're saying for you, it's not the running itself. It's not that physical exercise to get some of the potential like anxiety or other energy out. It's more connection with nature that's more supportive for you. Right. It's actually both because I am a physical empath. So I do, I actually, I do run and exercise to get that energy out. But if I am not in nature, it does not have the same result with me at all. So I might get a little of that energy out, but I'm still not feeling that like I can take a breath, like feeling like, you know, the world is kind of, your worries are kind of shut away for a little bit. Okay. Gotcha. There's also a really big sign of being an empath or, you know, as a scientific journal will say, highly sensitive person, which is the same exact thing, just a different term. Um, there's a huge correlation between magnesium depletion and I've done a ton of research within, like since the last time that we've actually spoke just to support empaths. And one of the things I find like across the board is that people don't know necessarily that they have a magnesium uh, deficiency, but there is this, if you think about it, there are waves that we're giving off that are, that empaths give off, well, all humans give off that are mirror neurons. Basically that means like, that's how people um, have nonverbal gestures towards each other to mimic each other, to make each other feel comfortable. However, the empath, whether it be like physical or emotional, we run hot on those. We are constantly giving those off. That's why if you're in a grocery store or a store and someone will just come up and tell you their life story and you have no idea like who it is or what's going on, it's because you're just constantly like burning through these mirror neurons. So when you do that, there's a depletion in magnesium that's really seen to go hand in hand, which can cause, you know, anxiety, depression, definitely um, cramping, tingling, all different like Charlie horses, um, bursts of outbursts of crying for no seemingly no reason. These are all signs of magnesium deficiency. And if it's a consistent and it's not just something that, you know, is sporadic and comes and goes, uh, it's probably that you're, even though you might be taking a multivitamin, you're not being supported ma with that magnesium. Hmm, that is so interesting, Stephanie. And magnesium deficiency is just so rampant in our society. Um, but I've never um, heard about this connection of being an empath and being deficient. I mean, I find that I would say at least 50% of the people that I see in the practice of magnesium deficient, but it's probably much more than that. I mean, these are the people that are tested. Right. And I wonder also, you know, potentially from more of a biochemical perspective, you know, it's what you're saying that you're using it up when you're, you know, exerting so much, but also just in general, when someone's under stress, they're using magnesium yes. at about four times the rate. And in addition to obviously like our daily stressors of life, if we're dealing then with all of these energies, like you're explaining, that's an extra stressor. So that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that, again, this is like the, the forefront of neuroscience. So 
Um, so I think some of these numbers or some of the statistics only came out within like the last year, but it is, yes, if there's a rampant correlation between people that are empaths and, and having the deficiency, which kind of leads me into another sign of being an empath, which is um, an empath or highly sensitive person is always overstimulated. So just their normal. And again, if I'm talking to someone who's an empath, would I ask them and I ask them, are you overstimulated right now? They're not going to necessarily say yes, because that's their normal. However, if you're triggered by any of the senses, so let's say if you have really bad anxiety or you seem to be really sh like overly shocked or overstimulated by bright fluorescent lights or loud sounds or you know any of uh, anything that really assaults your senses it's also a really good sign that you are an empath because again when you're running hot all the time you're if you think about it i always think about like i have little feelers and they're always out there like touching and feeling all this energy and if you are like that sudden changes in your environment that are like loud sounds bright lights things like that even if you have like a really foul smell smell Yes, it might disrupt like the, the average person a little bit, but empaths are really going to have a correlation to have what I call an empath attack, which feels kind of like a mini panic attack, but it's more related to emotional or physical stressors that are happening that lead you to kind of do this downward spiral, whether that be, you know, it takes you a day to get over it or it takes you, a, you know, a minute to get over it. Nonetheless, it, it's feeling like you're out of control and having like these mini kind of, um, yeah, like it, it does feel a little bit like having just a little small panic attack at a time. Yeah, except in this case, it sounds like what you're saying is the panic attack isn't necessarily because of something you're thinking about, but it's because of what you're exposed to, like the bright lights or yes. sounds. So what about someone who startles easily? Could that be related to this? Oh, absolutely. Yes, because when you are, again, when you are feeling into energy all around you, all of the time, you are not, you have an ability to startle or be shocked or be like surprised or um, frightened really, really easily. Whereas other people, you know, it might make them jump, but then they can easily slide back into whatever they were doing. The empath attack is more of, it startles you and rattles you and takes you a while to kind of even back out and get back into whatever you were doing before whatever happened. Or it might even force you to, I mean, I had full on panic attacks because of seemingly small things like um, for one was I would never, I, I could never go in Walmart just because there's crowds. And on top of that, so you're filling everybody's energy, everything's energy. They make the aisles very narrow and they actually, with the fluorescent lighting and everything, simulate almost like trapping you in a maze. So I was never able to do that because then you're not talking about just one of your senses. You're talking about multiple of your senses being kind of assaulted. And so if I went in to just run in to get one thing, even if it was at the front of the store and it was empty, it would basically disrupt a good part of my day. So I would have to either, if I was like face doing that, which I, you know, obviously tried not to, I would have to kind of cut away part of my day to get to like have a rebound to get over that, which I find is not necessarily true for people that are not empaths. Now, do you think that this is something that people are born with? Or do you think it's something that is maybe developed over time? Or is it possible that we might be more sensitive early on? And then it's something that, you know, as we work on it, that it becomes better? 
Um, well, I think that really I have never found that someone is just contracts it, I guess, like um, later in life. I've, I've never found that. I guess it could be true. But mostly I think that we are born like this, that uh, because we have to live, <laughs> that we numb ourselves up it, just in whatever way that we possibly can. And sometimes we're, some people are very successful with that and some people are not, but it's only until a certain point. So it's like, you can only numb or run or rep repress for so long. And then you'll have not something that's like kind of like a midlife crisis or maybe something that happens like your health care that then starts to unravel. And when you start to unravel, it's almost like knocking dominoes over where it's just like one thing after a next, whether that be like physical health symptoms or um, emotional like outbursts or whatever it is. And the feeling of being out of control and not being able to figure out like what's wrong or how to fix it, regardless of going to, I can't even tell you how many specialists I saw for just different symptoms that turned out to now I understand be um, related to being an empath. So I definitely think that a lot of us repress and suppress just because it's not known about. And thank goodness now we're actually having conversations like this where we can talk about it. But I, I think we repress it until we get to a certain point. And unfortunately, like I tell all my clients, this is not something that I can give you a magic pill or you can just cross off your to-do list when you're an empath. This is every day you have tools that you work on to stabilize because this is a lifelong journey. <laughs> it's not unfortunately just a destination that you get to and then you can just cross it off your to-do list. I would love for that to be true personally and for all my clients, but that's just not the way it is. So if you put consistent work into it, you absolutely can stabilize your energy where you're finding that all of these symptoms drastically reduce and, and a lot of them will you know, cease to exist after a period of time, but you have to be very consistent on working with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess like anything else, right, it's all about practice, making it perfect, yes. but also, you know, it, it is about a journey. You know, I work with a lot of people who have autoimmunity and more chronic health conditions. And we always say, you know, like you said, I wish there was a pill. There's not, but at the same time, because we do look at it, it is a journey. But what's nice about this is even though there is no magic pill in this quick fix, this journey opens up so many other doors and you'll learn so much more about yourself, right? Yes. And it's, it is a superpower. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting what you say also that we are not that we're you know, contracted, but we are born that way because what I'm noticing is it's not something I feel personally very much, but I notice it with my son, Jake, who's four and a half now. And from the moment he was born, he was always just in general, more sensitive. I mean, whether it was loud noises or bright lights and you know, even though we worked on it and we did different things, you know, he's just has always been more of a sensitive kid. And what was interesting is exactly like you said, that if there was a loud noise, it would set him off. And sometimes that could lead into a tantrum or right. something, you know, that you would think, well, why are you upset? Like nothing happened. But yet to him, you know, I think that because he feels so much, it is like that. So it's interesting. And I would have never connected that if you and I hadn't talked about it, just because again, I don't necessarily feel that. And he's also someone even at four years old, when he comes home from preschool, if, and I've noticed this, and again, he didn't tell me, but I've just noticed it through watching. If I tell him, hey, let's go have lunch, 
you know, he'll sometimes throw a tantrum or sometimes he'll just kind of not be himself. But if I don't say anything and we come home from school and I say lunch is in 30 minutes, he's going to go off and he's going to do his thing. He's going to play with his fans and his cars and this and that and just sort of be quiet. And then he'll be like, okay, I'm hungry now. I'm ready for lunch. So I don't even push it anymore because I know that that must be his time to just relax and be alone after a lot of the stimulation from school, even though it's really only three hours in preschool, but still. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I believe that because you're giving him the space and because you're observing him, a lot of empaths have a really hard time. And if you ask them what's wrong, they have a really, really hard time of telling you what is wrong because logically we understand that there shouldn't be anything that sets us off or like that, that is the tantrums and all that is what I would deem like an empath attack. So we logically know that there's nothing that should be causing us to have that much of a reaction. And sometimes that actually makes it worse. So we're not able to necessarily put into words, but once you kind of start just like you're saying, observe what someone needs, even if that's yourself or your spouse or your, your child or whoever it is, they'll naturally tend to take care of what feels good for them when that feels good for them. So like you're saying, he might, the idea of having lunch then might stress him out so much because then he's thinking, oh, I just have to go straight into something else, that that causes him not to be able to kind of let down his guard. But if you just kind of let him unwind, let him do his thing, and then let him come to you and tell him when he's ready, that's like a really intuitive way of, of, of figuring out what somebody else needs or what you, if you are that person yourself might need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm so glad that you've mentioned this before and you and I've had these conversations because like I said, I probably wouldn't have realized that, but just being aware. And I think for everyone listening, if this doesn't sound like you, maybe this may sound like your spouse, your friend, your child, and just being aware of that will give you tools on how you can support them better. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that allow empaths to flourish and to understand what they need is to give them the time and space, but also to make them understand that it's okay. Because a lot of times we want to, you know, fit ourselves into the box so that we're quote unquote normal and we're doing what all the normal people are doing. And a lot of times, again, that, that just ends up leading to repression so that it takes us longer to get back to center. Stephanie, you mentioned emotional and physical empath a couple of times. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Sure. So again, this is a sliding scale. There's not anyone that I met that's just one or the other, but some people happen to be more emotional empaths, meaning that I would consider myself more an emotional empath, even though I am also a physical empath. Emotional empaths really feel other people's, well, not just people's, everybody's emotions all around them, whether that be pets, this literally can be plants, it can be um, any anything that's giving off an energy around you. And the emotionality is a connection that we take on and then display ourselves. So a lot of times people will say empaths are mirrors. And it's why if you are an empath, either you have a lot of empath friends or you might find that people don't necessarily, this is mostly emotional, you might find that people don't necessarily get along with you. I've heard a lot of empaths say like, I'm a take it or leave it type of person. There's no kind of middle ground. And it's because we reflect back and accept and take on without knowing it other people's emotions. So if you're mirroring that back to someone, 
and that person doesn't particularly like what they see, they might not feel like they groove with you or, you know, feel like that that's a good fit. But emotional impasse basically just, we are all about feeling the emotion that can be in, again, music, nature, uh, other people, pets. There's a lot of different like subcategories of emotional impasse. Um, but, but that's what we pick up on. Physical empaths are people that, that we had discussed in the previous episode that mostly feel things in their body. So there might not be any connection or little connection or maybe like half and half again for feeling that emotional connection with people on that level where you're just taking on their feelings and you feel a little out of control emotionally, but you might feel out of control physically where you have phantom pains, like I said, cramps. Um, there could be anything and everything that happens within your body that's a physical sensation. And again, it's if you think about it, it's like it's like taking a separate road that leads to to the same place. So emotional impacts are on one road. We're we're picking up all the emotions and energetic or physical impacts are on this other road where they're still processing the same energy just in a different way. And that way is physically through their body. Um, like I said, I growing up was always first off an emotional empath. I did have trauma and and was abused. So I know I desensitized from my body as I mean, a lot of us do, even if we're not abused. So I'm not sure how early that physical component came in, but I will say that after I started to, for years and years and years, I stopped tending to my own emotional needs and started putting other people first, which is also an empath characteristic of just taking care of other people and not taking care of yourself. After I started doing that for years and years and years, that's when I started to see my physical body start to show symptoms with autoimmune disorders, one after the other. And again, it was almost like I said, like that domino sensation of just not feeling like I could get in front of the emotionality or the physical of what was happening to me despite going to all these doctors. So that there is a kind of sliding scale where if you don't take care of one, it probably will show up as something else in your body just because your body is trying to process that energy and get your attention and tell you that something is wrong and needs to be looked at. Interesting. So basically what you're saying is if you're not supporting it, then there's other physical manifestations. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it and again, it depends on how long or how much you've been <laughs> suppressing and repressing. But um, and there are some people that are just born more physical impacts. So it's not just that you're necessarily repressing a ton emotionally and that's why it turns into physical, but one usually leads into another and the symptoms definitely get a lot worse if you're not taking care of yourself and not taking care of your emotional and physical body. Now, what are some of those symptoms? I know that you mentioned obviously having these empath attacks or anxiety attacks. So I'm assuming having anxiety is one of them. And then you also just mentioned autoimmune. So tell us a little bit more about that and some other physical manifestations that people may not even connect or think that could be related. Sure. So one of the, the biggest things that I see is anxiety and depression. Again, not feeling that you have control over your own state leads to a lot of anxiety and depression. I had horrible panic attacks for years and years and years, just not knowing what was going on emotionally with me. Again, when you're picking up other people's stuff, it doesn't feel like other people's stuff. It feels like yours. So even to this day, even though I know and I, you know, I 
have done all this research and I know my body and I help other people with this, there'll be times where I'm just like, why do I feel so funky and realize, okay, wait, this is actually not my emotions. It's something else I'm picking up on. However, it might take you a while to actually get to that place where you're realizing it. Mm. So feeling, feeling out of control definitely is one or feeling like lack of control. Um, there is a component of feeling isolation because regardless of the fact that there are communities out there for impasse, number one, it's not talked about a lot. And when you are in kind of that spiral where you're dealing with physical or emotional feelings, it does feel very isolating and lonely. So there is this component of, of the depression just simply coming from that anxiety and that isolation. Also, though, physically, again, I've had everything. What I guess the first thing that I really can now look back on and realize is one of my telltale signs of I'm not looking at something and I need it. And that energy is starting to affect my body. Eczema for me. I still have it. It still pops up, um, psoriasis, any type of like dermatitis is usually, it can be a really big sign. And that's my first sign that I'm not tending to something, or maybe I'm not just seeing something that I need to look at as well as I really had horrible stomach problems that was diagnosed as Crohn's, which is actually the first thing I was diagnosed with. And that's, that again, I see rampant like stomach problems but not necessarily anything, anything that can be diagnosed from like IBS to like not even being able to diagnose it. So all, all of the autoimmune diseases that I have, and I have six of them all became, I I mean, I don't obviously had the markers there, but I didn't have any of them except for asthma until, you know, when I was born, those came afterwards when I was in my mid twenties and I was in an abusive relationship and I wasn't just years and years and years of people pleasing. So there's tons, I think, of autoimmune diseases that we just don't know enough to know what triggers it, but it definitely is stress that I feel like triggers it and stress of not being heard or not knowing what to do with these internal feelings, whether they be like physical or emotional or or probably both. Mm, I'm so glad that you're speaking about this because when we talk about autoimmunity, and this is something I talk a lot about on the show, there are so many different underlying causes. And, you know, often biochemically, we talk about how there's triggers, like there's certain foods that can be a trigger. And then there's certain toxins like mercury or other heavy metals. And then there's infections that can be a trigger, you know, which could be things like Epstein-Barr or a gut infection. And then the other big kind of thing that's, um, and there's a lot that falls under that umbrella and that's stress. And people often forget stress is either emotional or physical, right? And for a lot of people, it's both. And, you know, I think in terms of what we look at our past experiences, we look at negative emotions, we look at limiting beliefs, we look at trauma, right? These are all things that affect our stress. And a couple of months ago, I actually had Dr. Don Wood on the show. um, That was episode 90. And, you know, we were talking about the effect of some of these past experiences on autoimmunity. And sounds like what you're saying is very similar as well, that it's not necessarily that the experience itself caused the autoimmune, but it's more that the body 
doesn't necessarily realize that the experience is in the past because if it the memory is vibrant enough, right, then it's almost like going on a loop in your brain. It's like when you're, we're watching a movie and sometimes we get all nervous for the character and the body literally thinks that you're in this right. situation, even though you're just watching it on the screen. So it sounds like it's the same thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's like a great point is I find a lot of empaths are what I call, and this is going to sound so hippy-dippy, but it's just what it is time travelers. And it's because our, because we're filling up, they're feeling this energy or we're feeling this energy. Energy does not know the past or the future or the present. It's just is. So a lot of times if you have highly emotional empaths that are feeling into things that have occurred in the past, like trauma um, or things that maybe we're just knowing that are on our to-do list, it could be exactly kind of tying into like when you tell Jake, oh, we're going to lunch He's already feeling into the stress of, oh gosh, what is that going to mean? I have to get in the car. I have to do this. So we're basically processing energy all the time of either the present or the future, which makes it very, very difficult on our bodies to kind of find that stable zone. So now that people know what the signs are and some of the effects that it could have on health, which is a ton, let's talk about the steps that people can take. So what can we do to help this so that it does not affect our health in a negative way? What I tell all my clients is that one of the things is that you're going to look at this as an experiment. We really, obviously, this is about our health, emotional and physical. However, there's when you put too much pressure on yourself to quote unquote, get it right, it's, it's not going to be that. It's a bunch of trial and error. So just kind of getting into that mindset of, okay, I'm going to try a bunch of things because everybody is unique and everybody processes energy differently. And then I'm going to see what works for me and what doesn't I'm going to let go. So it's kind of if, and again, this is not realistic in the fact of obviously you're not always going to be in like this, this kind of Zen mindset, but it's just kind of framework. So the number one thing I tell people all the time is magnesium, 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 magnesium. So I take two magnesium pills, 500 milligrams in the morning with my multivitamin with D3 so that it absorbs faster into my body. It actually absorbs into my body instead of just urinating it all out. Yes, I understand that your multivitamin probably has magnesium in it. You're going to want to take a separate supplement for that and separate for the D3. So that's one thing that you can do that just takes a little off the top. Now, you also are going to have to remember that with the things that that some of these that I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to probably do these for a good month consistently to be able to tell like any difference. And this again is not, okay, you're going to do this and instantly your life's going to be better. This is, you're going to do this. And just like if you shake a Coke bottle up and the top pops off eventually, that's your body, right? So you're probably at the point where the top has popped off many times from that empath attack. So all of these are just to take a little of that energy out of the bottle so that that you don't get to that point as frequently. So just kind of a disclaimer, but magnesium is great. If you can get in a Epsom salt bath once a day, that is fantastic. Make it as hot as you possibly can stand without obviously burning yourself. I use bubble bath that's Epsom salt in the bubble bath as well as the salt itself. So I kind of make a little potion every night and get in that. Again, Epsom salt, the reason people say take Epsom salt baths 
is because Epsom salt actually turns into magnesium when it's absorbed into your body. And the absorption rate is actually a lot better than if you take supplements. So if you do both of those things daily, you're going to have kind of like a, a leg up on the magnesium front. Yeah, that's great. And there's also transdermal magnesium for some people that, yeah, can't maybe do the baths or some people have very sensitive stomachs and maybe they're not able to take as much magnesium. So the transdermal is nice too. And another benefit of Epsom salts is that it's really good for a liver detox pathway. So, Oh, wow. Awesome. I didn't know that. It's, I know also it really helps. So because the next thing I'm going to say is you have to find your types of release. So a lot of times people talk about like grounding your energy. And I think that's kind of a misused term. I mean, I, I do, there is grounding your energy. However, with empaths, it's not so much grounding your energy as for intentional release. That's when you're, if you're doing a grounding meditation and you're envisioning energy, leaving your body and going into the earth, that part is, is the release part. It's not the grounding is the entire meditation that you do. So really it's important for physical empaths, but really everyone is, but particularly physical empaths to move their bodies every single day and do so in an intentional way. So every morning, like I stated, I go out and I run in nature. And sometimes when I'm feeling particularly out of sorts or a little more stressed, I have a mantra that I say that I say I release. And every time that my foot hits the pavement, I say it in my head. And I feel that energy being released through my foot into the ground. So whether you're doing yoga or dancing or even something that might sound silly like vacuuming that's a repetitive motion, as long as you're putting intentionality behind it as far as like you're releasing energy, it really makes a huge difference on how to stabilize that energy, which I think is most of the time what people are looking for when they say ground, doing, you know, grounding your energy is just letting a little bit out of that soda, again, if you use the Coke bottle analogy, just taking a little bit off the top and doing it intentionally so that you don't get to that kind of blow up empath attack um, it, that place sooner. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that. Only because, like you said, since empaths feel so many things, right, positive or negative, if you are then releasing it in terms of like you're moving your energy. And if you're saying it with your voice, you're then kind of moving the breath through as well. And so you're vocalizing it. And then you're also using the, you know, the physical movement of that. That's a really good idea. Right. And and the other thing that I find is like, yes, I find meditation to be super helpful. However, there, meditation is a really big grand term. And we usually just think of it as sitting silently with our eyes closed, which will sometimes work. But again, if you're that physical empath, doing that and sitting silently with your eyes closed and being still actually might take you into a place where you go further into your mind and into your body and really feel actually worse than when you started it. So if you're having something where you feel physical symptoms, or if you're feeling just this high rate of emotionality, where you just feel like you're getting to the top, popping off for that empath attack a little bit more often, doing something where you're in motion, or one of the things that I love doing is breath work. So doing a breathwork meditation, that really helps clear out energy and move energy within your body so that you don't have so much pent up inside. Mm, yeah. And with breathwork, are there any specific techniques that you like or any breathwork could be helpful? Well, pretty much that's, again, the experimentation part of this is 
but for me personally, I find that holotropic, which is um, most of the time what you're going to see or hear about that's quick breaths over a long period of time. I will say though, that that's only supposed to be done, you know, make sure that number one, you have a sitter, you have like someone that's a guide that knows what they're doing and can sit with you during that because they can be, make you very lightheaded and dizzy. So I wouldn't recommend just going to YouTube and trying to figure out how to do it on your own. Um, One of the things though, that you can actually find pretty easily on YouTube that is not as scary if you don't know what you're doing would be a shamanic breath work. And that's really just listening to a drum or something that contains a drum and moving the breath in a way that's repetitive. So again, it's a repetitive movement, even though it's just might be a breath coming out of you that's actually connecting with the music and the drum. Mm, Okay. Great. Well, it's so nice that there's so many different options. And like you said, it is an experiment so people can try and see what they resonate with, what they feel good with, you know, what also is fun for them, because that's another important thing. If you're doing something, you want it to make you feel good, but you also want it to be enjoyable to some degree. I mean, same thing with exercise, right? Like some people like yoga, other people like kickboxing, you know, so there's right, right. reason with that. You want to find like a way and, and coming from someone who didn't, who never liked exercising, I never had to exercise when I was younger because I just never could put on weight. Didn't, didn't really happen in my thirties like that, but um, <laughs> it's coming from someone who doesn't like exercising. I would say, give it a, give it a chance to, for you again, like a month of consistency so that you're not necessarily just doing it because you like what you're doing, but you're actually starting to see how it affects your energy. And then that's when I started kind of getting into running was I was like, okay, wait, I feel a lot better, like longevity wise. So I don't necessarily love every single second I'm running, but I do love the way that I feel and the way that it keeps me in that consistent, stable place energetically. So, you know, people then that are empaths or think they may be, they can try magnesium, they could do Epsom salt baths, they can do various releasing exercises. So it's way to ground, but it's really more release as you were explaining, and then different types of breath work. So it doesn't have to be like a very sitting still type of meditation, but it's more moving the breath, which brings you to a meditative state just in a little bit of a different way. And I also would suggest doing something. And and again, I think having what I have is I have a jar and I have very specific, don't put like watch a inspirational YouTube video because then you could get sucked down the hole of YouTube and get very frustrated, but have something very specific. If you want to watch like a certain person, motivational YouTube, whatever, or a certain type of exercise. So running, salsa dancing, like make it as specific as as possible and put a bunch of ideas into a jar. That way when you're doing, and I personally really believe in the morning routine. So that's one of the things I tell my empaths is if you can start the day out right with supplements, you know, again, make sure that you're drinking tons of water because that's going to help flush everything out of your system. Um, even energetically, it seems like if we drink like a good amount of water. So there's like the staples of, of how you can treat your body, like eating clean. Another thing that, that really does support impasse because it is making us more in tune with our bodies. But other than that, having like these little activities that again, you can try. And if you don't like it, throw it out of the jar, but that you don't have to think about so that you're not at a place where you're like having these kind of empath attacks or feeling overwhelmed, which is the number one kind of symptom I guess I see overall is, is just this besides like anxiety would be like this overwhelm 
of not knowing what to do or where to do or, or, or how to do it or where to start. And if you can have like specific stuff written down so you can just have, you know, even if you can only take, I don't know, 30 minutes at the beginning of your day or 20 minutes at the beginning of your day, make sure you're taking those supplements and then write down things that you can experiment with that could be different types of releases. Then it takes the pressure off. So every morning you just go, if you are experimenting with this and you don't want to try to just have like a set routine, you can go and just pull something out of, of the jar and try it. That way it might make it a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like looking at a menu in a restaurant. You may not know yeah. what you're in the mood for, but exactly. then once you see it, mm-hmm, that's great. And then some of these releasing techniques, like you were saying, it could be running or doing some type of physical exercise with intentionality of saying something along with it or... Sure. Mantras. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Give us a couple of more ideas of releasing. Sure. So in release also doesn't necessarily also have to be, always have to be physical. So there is definitely, you know, I get up and I do yoga, I do run. However, I also have times where maybe the weather's not great or I just am not feeling it for that day. And it's not, a, I'm not feeling it as in like, uh, I just kind of don't want to go because I force myself on those days, but just, I'm really not feeling well, maybe let's say, or to do something physical. There's great ways like journaling, reading something inspirational. Like I'm saying for all my emotional impasse out there, anything that can connect you emotionally and which is everything basically like a book, um, a short clip on YouTube, a motivational podcast, and a journaling, anything like that that can ca- connect you emotionally, but you it's inspirational or motivational. Um, that really works as well. So if you want to not just be stuck in just doing physical things all the time, even though I'd say, you know, have one thing in there, try some of those as well. That's a good idea. Now, what about something like screaming into a pillow? Oh yeah, that definitely works. <laughs> Screaming, like hitting pillows, like anything, really anything that's that's changing your state. So I have my clients also do this thing and it's mostly my physical, but sometimes my emotional impasse where I call it ugly shaking. And the reason I call it that is because I'm, most of my clients don't care now, but like I, if they do, I make them shut their camera off and then I make them just shake. Like you just shake your body, your whole body, obviously, like if you have pre-existing conditions that that might, you know, stir up, don't do that. But you just very, you shake for about 15 seconds, just as hard as you possibly can. Like no one's watching. And what it does is it instantly changes the energy around your body. So when I'm in a funk sometimes, or I just can't seem to, to pull myself out of kind of that empath isolation hole, which we are so commonly known for to kind of just want to hidey hole back and not, not really do any of the tools that I'm telling you. I make myself stand up and just ugly shake as hard as I possibly can so that it switches up the energy so that I can move on and do more of any of the things that I told you, or just get on with my day sometimes. So anything where, again, you're moving energy, whether that be like, um, yeah, like screaming into a pillow or kickboxing or journaling or whatever it is, just releasing energy and changing up the energy of that moment is huge. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So basically it's not necessarily always physical because journaling obviously is not physical, but you're still releasing things by writing down thoughts and things that are probably circling around in your brain over and yes, over again. Absolutely. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. And things that you might not even know are there. Like, a, like I'm saying, we pick up all these things and we're so 
used to being bombarded with the energy that a lot of times when I start journaling, I don't, I'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea any of this was even in there just because it's all kind of going on in the background of your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just a nice brain dump. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Stephanie, this has been so interesting and so eye-opening. Tell us where can people find you and connect with you? And also, I know you have a course on empaths. So tell us about that as well. Sure. So people can find me either on Facebook, it's Divine Intervention Readings with an S, or you can go to my website, which is psychictrainerstephanie.com. And I do, I actually have two courses. And my first course is all about what we've been talking about. It is all about how to stabilize your energy, how to get you in a place where regardless of what's happening around you, that you know that you have the tools to figure out your energy and figure out what's yours and what someone else's and to really focus on yourself. So that's calling on my empath. It's a month long course and we meet once a week live via zoom. I really believe in community. And so I also include a Facebook group with that, with all of the people that I put in the course, which I am very intentional about who I put in there to make sure you have a great tribe. And then you also get Voxer, which is a walkie talkie app so that you have a psychic in your back pocket along with this course. Well, both of my courses are the same exact format. So they're both exactly the same as I'm talking to you about Um, with this format. It's just different subjects. So the number one calling on my empath is all about stabilizing your energy. You have me in your back pocket one-on-one for everything. Like I need you to look at something or here's what I experienced or anything and everything that you would want to, you know, find out or ask from me, you have that Monday through Friday via that walkie talkie app for six weeks, not just four weeks for the course. And then my second course is kind of a building block and it is impact leaders of the world. And what we really target is it's after you've figured out how to stabilize your own energy. And if you have a big mission or mission bigger than yourself, that in itself for an empath can feel very daunting and overwhelming as to how to lead a group of people when you're having to deal with the emotions or the physical aspects, or maybe probably both. Um, So that is the same exact thing, the same exact format, once everything like that. And um, I'm just very excited about both, but I've seen a great response. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's so good that you have these tools because like we were saying, this is just starting to be talked about more and there's so many people that need that support. And it's so nice that the support is there. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Being an empath is much more common than people realize. And it could be a big contributing factor to certain health conditions if you don't realize it's happening. It's important to remember that being an empath is not a bad thing in any way. In fact, it could be beneficial, but it is important to know if this is something that affects you so that you could be in charge of your body and know how to better support yourself. This is exactly how we approached it for Annabelle. I explained to her that she may be an empath. She didn't really know what that meant, but after looking at some of the characteristics, she realized it was her spot on. We talked about using this to her advantage instead of treating it like a negative thing and dived into many tools to help her keep her body in balance. First, we worked on releasing techniques so that she's able to release negative energy and emotions when those came up. And this is very important so that those negative emotions don't build up in the physical body. Now we use some passive techniques. One was grounding and I taught her a couple of exercises where she can ground her body. 
Another was feeling her emotions. So typically, when you have an emotion and you feel it, it doesn't take very long. It actually takes about 90 seconds to feel it. So if you have a thought, and potentially it's a negative thought, if you actually close your eyes and feel that thought, at first they may not feel that good. You might feel it in your belly or in your chest. They might feel almost like your heart is beating faster. But if you stay with it, your body isn't going to show you more than what it can handle. And usually within about 90 seconds, it will process through. And whatever feeling you're feeling, if it is more negative, tends to then subside and shift. And this way, she was able to feel her emotions and then in turn embody it and release it. Now, we also worked on some active techniques. One of the exercises I showed her was screaming into a pillow. And this is honestly as simple as it sounds. If you are frustrated or feeling like there's just something you want to get out and you want to scream, but obviously you don't want to do it on the street or at someone if it's not their fault, you can literally scream into a pillow. You can do this if you live in an apartment and have neighbors. No one is going to hear because the pillow is going to buffer the sound and you can scream as loud as you want. And I just let her go. And anything she wanted to release, anything she was frustrated about, she could go ahead and yell it out. And that was extremely helpful. Another great active exercise that we did was walking up the hill at a fast pace while saying certain things that she did not want to feel. So if she did not want to feel like someone else's energy is affecting her, she would walk up the hill and she would say no more allowing others energy to affect me. And this way she was saying it while she was moving and it helps to process through that energy so it doesn't get stuck in the body. Now, from a biochemical perspective, we did a hair test and so that she did have low magnesium, but she also had low calcium. And it's very important that we look at both of those because magnesium and calcium can antagonize each other. So if both are low and you only take one, you can actually move the other one out even further. And because both were low, we used both calcium and magnesium. We use magnesium glycinate because that tends to be very well absorbed and doesn't really have a negative effect on bowels. And we also used a calcium malate because that as well gets very well absorbed and the two work very well together. We then saw that she had low vitamin D and we worked on those levels so that her vitamin D was in the 50 or 60 uh, range in blood work. Her levels were fairly low, so we actually used a liquid vitamin D. We used the Emulsi D Synergy, which has some vitamin D and K, because you want to use D and K together, ideally. And we were able to get her levels up within two months. Now, she also started seeing a Reiki practitioner to get energy work and someone that she trusted for massages. And it's really important, especially if you're an empath, to have some of that physical work. And you can do some of it on yourself, but if you have someone that you trust that can help you with the physical, just that sense of touch can be very helpful if it's from someone whose energy you trust. Now, after only three months of the work, she saw huge shifts. First and foremost, she finally understood what was happening and that some of these things that she was feeling was not actually her, which made it a lot less scary and a lot less stressful. So she didn't have to worry that every sensation meant that something was wrong in her body. And then after learning to feel her emotions and feel those feelings rather than to be scared of them, 
She was able to process them much more quickly so they didn't linger in the body. Now, her anxiety and panic attacks diminished by over 90%. And when she did feel it, it was due to a specific circumstance and not for no reason like it was before. With the anxiety and the body sensations in balance, she started to sleep much more soundly and she was waking up refreshed with a clear head. So she also then had great energy. She was very, very excited. Now, if Annabelle sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and be sure you're subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. As always, please don't give up on your health issues. The answers are there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode of Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.